0: Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Daily Knowledge Podcast from Today i Found Out. And in this episode, we're going to experiment with something of a different format. Now for those of you who tuned in this weekend, you'll know we recently launched something we're calling the Weekend Why Episodes, where every weekend we have a couple of episodes which uh, just deal with a why question. So we thought it would be cool to give a bit extra back to our listeners when we have a sponsored show and a big thanks to NatureBox who are sponsoring the episode today. So in episodes with sponsors, we're going to be including a Weekend Why style article Today it's about why three strikes in a row in bowling is called a turkey. So the structure of the show today is going to go a bit like this. Now After the intro you're going to hear the main article, and today it's about how the gun in Duck Hunt actually worked. Then you'll hear a message from our sponsor, then you'll hear the bonus why article, and then finally you'll hear the regular bonus facts, and today that's about the patents that surround the light gun. So we do hope you enjoy this experimental format and the extra content, and let's get right on with today's show. How the Gun in the Original Duck Hunt Game Worked If you've ever played Duck Hunt or any of the other NES games that use the NES Zapper Gun, you probably at one point or another wondered how the game actually knows where on the TV you are aiming the gun when you pull the trigger. It turns out, the method for accomplishing this is incredibly simple, as is the gun itself. The gun primarily just consists of a button, the trigger, and a photo diode When you pull the trigger, this causes the game to make the TV screen go completely black for one frame. At this point, the game uses the light sensor to sample the black color it's reading from your TV to give it a reference point. This is essential, given that the ambient light in a particular room and other things of this nature can vary greatly. In the next frame, the game causes the target area to turn white, with the rest remaining black. If the game detects a shift from black to white from the gun's photo diode in that split second, it knows you are aiming correctly at the target and so doesn't specifically need to know anything about where on the screen the target is. For games with multiple targets at any given time, the same type of method is used except multiple target frames are shown. So the game will flash the black reference screen, then will flash one of the targets, leaving the rest of the screen black, then flashes the next target, again leaving the rest of the screen black, and so on. The game knows which target is hit, if any, by which frame is currently being shown when a light shift is detected. So, today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by NatureBox, a subscription service for nutritious snacks with new snacks introduced every month, made from wholesome ingredients. Unlike most of the snacky foods you're probably used to eating, NatureBox snacks contain no high-fructose corn syrup, no partially hydrogenated oils, no trans fats, and no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors. So if you've not heard of NatureBox before and you don't know how it works, basically it's a subscription service, and if you are a listener to this podcast, you can get 50% off your first box if you go to naturebox.com forward slash knowledge. And then each month you'll receive five different nutritionist approved full-size snack bags containing things like blueberry almond bites, Bombay curried cashews, dark cocoa almonds, lemon pucker pistachios, or Italian bistro pretzels, among over a 100 or so other varieties. For the first month, you'll get a variety of different snacks sent to you, and from there, you can choose which snacks you want to get each month, or just continue to discover new favorites. So once again, as a listener of this podcast, you can get 50% off your first month's box. All you have to do is go to naturebox.com forward slash knowledge and sign up there. Happy snacking! Why Three Strikes In A Row In Bowling Is Called A Turkey This is thought to have its origins in bowling tournament prizes. Late 18th and early 19th century prizes given out during these tournaments were often food items, such as a basket filled with various grocery items, a large ham or the like. Particularly around Thanksgiving in the United States, turkeys became common prizes. At some point, no one knows the exact first instance, one tournament decided to give away a turkey to people who managed to bowl three strikes in a row. This practice spread and eventually embedded itself in common bowling vernacular long after giving away actual turkeys stopped. You might wonder how those individuals running tournaments managed to make any money at all when they were giving away a turkey every time someone bowled three strikes in a row, let alone prizes for other accomplishments. After all, even complete amateurs can achieve that feat on occasion, and those who are skilled can do it with some regularity. But in the late 18th and early 19th centuries, bowling three strikes in a row was extremely hard to do, owing to the fact that they didn't have nearly the refined, pristine lanes we're used to today. Further, the pins were set up by hand, sometimes in a not quite uniform fashion. Bowling balls tended not to be well balanced, and people running the tournaments would often use tricks to make the pins harder to knock down, such as adding weight in the bottoms of the pins. So, bowling three strikes in a row was exceptionally hard to do, even for those who are highly skilled. With it being somewhat more common to hit three strikes or more in a row today, new names have been developed to account for the strike bloat, though usage of these terms isn't nearly as widespread as with turkey. That being said, relatively common terms include four consecutive strikes, Hambone, six consecutive strikes, Wild Turkey, nine consecutive strikes, Golden Turkey, A Perfect Game, All Strikes from Start to Finish, Dinosaur, supposedly originally because it's non-existent like a dinosaur, though in fact it has been done several times, such as by Grazio Castellano who was first to bowl A Perfect Game on live television on October fourth, 1953. In general, if you can't remember these names and you want to sound like you know what you're talking about, you can simply call them a four bagger, five bagger, etc. for four and five strikes in a row and beyond. And now for today's bonus fact. If you read over the patent for the NES Sapper Gun, one of the main features they point out which separates their gun from previously patented light-detecting guns is that in the preferred embodiment of their system, it has the ability to distinguish between multiple targets in one frame. However, that's not actually what they did in the NES system. Rather, they used multiple frames, one per target, as described previously. In a one-frame system, it uses a signal from the TV itself. This signal is in the form of pulses which signify the start of the horizontal and vertical retracing. The computer hooked up to the TV can use these pulses to more or less tell what area is currently being traced on the TV. It can then time this with a shift in light detected by the photodiode. Thus, with precise enough timing, it is able to detect which target is being hit in just one frame. With this method, the flash can happen fast enough that it's nearly imperceptible to most people, unlike in the actual NES system where, when multiple targets are shown, most people can perceive the flash. The NES system did use the vertical retrace signal to be able to detect the start of each frame though, but didn't use it to detect anything about the position of the target, as in the preferred embodiment described in the patent.